Shall we just uh, come at this time into the Lord's hands and pray that God will speak to us? So let's just bow down for a minute. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we continue, Lord, to commit this time into your hands, Lord Father, and ask that you minister unto us, Lord Father. Father God, you have got a word for us, Lord Father, and Father, we want to be receptive to that word, Lord Father. Father God, I pray, Lord, that our ears will be attentive and our hearts will be open to receive that which you have for us this day, Lord. Father, we ask that you minister unto every one of us. And we commit ourselves into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, there was one thing I needed to do. You see, this is 2017. No, I'm not fighting. Huh? Okay. But I thought I'm... This is my smartphone, for those of you who don't know it. Right. So I'm going to take... I don't even know how to hold the phone properly. Okay. Up. Oh, sorry, I got the... I'm wondering why I'm not in the picture. I've got the wrong camera. Ah, now there I am. Yep. Now, this is not enough, huh? Good. So maybe I can make some money out of it. Right. Now, what did I do? What did I do? I took a selfie. Wow, that's good. I took a selfie. Wonderful. Now, let me tell you something that happened exactly a year back, January 2016. And I read this in the newspaper, okay, 12th January 2016. There was a man called Donald Pugh. He was wanted by the police in the U.S. state of Ohio. But he somehow escaped them and was uh, escaped to Florida, and he was living in Florida. Now, the Ohio police put his picture in the newspapers under the wanted column. Now, this, now comes the interesting part. See, Donald Pugh in Florida saw his picture in the newspapers, but he didn't like it. So, electronically, he sent the police and the newspapers another picture, adding a note with these words. That picture is terrible. Here is a better one. The next day, he was arrested in Florida. <laughs> you see, that is the power of selfies today. We know people die taking selfies. Am I right? The guy got himself into more trouble taking a selfie and sending it across. And yet, people are so enamored, like I was a minute and a half back, to just look at themselves all the time. A few years back, if you had a camera, the camera always focused there. Now people are not interested in that camera. They are interested in this camera. Everybody is focusing on themselves. You know, they are so enamored looking at themselves all the time. And this has actually got another name. Do you know what it is? It's called narcissism. Narcissism. Okay, now that comes from a Greek guy, Greek mythology of a guy called Narcissus, who thought he was so handsome that he wanted to look at himself all the time. So he actually went to a riverside and sat by the river and looked at his shadow, his image in the water. And he actually took roots there. And that is what narcissism is all about. Looking at yourself all the time. The dictionary de defines narcissism like this. It's an excessive interest in oneself and one's physical appearance. Medically, narcissism is a psychological disorder called NPD, or Narcissistic Personality disorder. You can look it up. It's available in, on the net. Now, if you happen to read a recent publication of the Clinical Journal of Psychology, there's a very interesting topic, and that is this. 
the current self-taking, the current selfie-taking has been identified as a mental disorder. So all of you who go around taking selfies with your marvelous smartphones and tablets need to have your heads examined. But let me, let me also give you a warning here. And this is something that I saw on television when I was uh, looking at uh, a forensic uh, program. Uh, it's part of my own field of interest. So uh, I was looking at how the police deal with forensics. And they were trying to catch uh, a suspect. Now, the problem is they suspected, they saw a person they thought might be the suspect, but they were not too sure. They needed to confirm this with uh, facial recognition software and various other things. And so they were wondering how to get close to the guy because they were afraid he might be also armed. He probably would be carrying some plastic uh, bombs upon him uh, and he could blow it up at any time. So suddenly one of those uh, investigators got a good idea. So what she did was she took her phone and uh, she went some distance from him uh, now, let's assume Brother Standrick is the suspect, okay? <laughs> so she just stood there and she took a selfie of herself, but she got him in the picture. And this was immediately uh, sent to the police headquarters, where, of course, they forgot all about the lady who was taking the picture. They blew up his picture, they focused on him, looked at the, uh, compared it with the software that they have in the police records, and identified that he was actually the suspect. Okay, now why am I telling you this? Because you see so many people taking assumed, what you assume are selfies. Are they taking themselves or are they taking you? Now it becomes a little scary, isn't it? So we need to be careful. That's a warning. Don't assume that anyone and everyone taking selfies of themselves is actually of themselves. They may specifically have you in the background, and you may be the real reason for that selfie. This is also a medical problem. It's called obsession. Why am I telling you this? Because of something that happened very recently. How many of you have read of the molestation of a young woman in Bangalore six days back? New Year's Day. New Year's night, rather. Okay? Many of you would have read about it. Now, when police investigated, of course, the police didn't do anything at that point, but later when they investigated, what they found that many of the women who were molested had been stalked for about a week. And this was happening, is happening in a city which used to be considered safe for women, Bangalore. A new thing I read in today's paper is in Bombay. So people are stalking others. Who's stalking you? I don't know. It's not me. That much I can tell you. But this has become a useful device for that purpose. So be aware. Okay, be aware, especially the younger people. Please be aware that there is an evil world out there. Selfie-taking. I've written it down here. Selfie-taking using these horrible gadgets may not actually be innocent events. Okay? But now, having said that, let me ask you a question. Do you know that the Bible actually encourages to take selfies? Heard about that? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, chapter 13, verse 5. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. 
Do you not know yourselves that Jesus is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? So the first word, two words are, examine yourselves. Turn also with me to another verse that we use very often and we will be using about half an hour later. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So let a man examine himself. That's in the Bible. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Let each one examine his own work. And it goes on that way. So you see, there you have it. The Bible, written centuries back, long before the discovery of the camera, is actually the first place where we are encouraged to take selfies, periodically. Only the words used are obviously different. The Bible tells us that each and every one of us should examine himself or herself. The difference between the worldly selfie and the biblical selfie is that the worldly selfie focuses on the outward appearance, while the biblical selfie focuses entirely on the inner person. The examine yourself is not about your external appearance. The examine yourself is about your inside. The worldly selfie is all about your outside. And so that is what we are going to do today. We are going to take a biblical selfie and look inside ourselves. Okay, and therefore, the title of today's message is simply The Biblical Selfie. Now, this concept of self-examination is not a New Testament concept. It is very much there in the Old Testament also. And just to quote a very well-known verse, please turn with me to Haggai, chapter 1, verses 5 and verse 7. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Consider your ways. If that was written in New, New Testament language, it will be examine your ways. So you see, right through the Bible, we are, we are asked, people are asked, the people of God are asked to consider their ways. Review yourself. Examine yourself. Look at what you are doing. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 40 to 42, Jeremiah writes, let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled. You have not pardoned. But it starts off by saying, let us search out and examine our ways. See, so that is something we need to do. It's something that we have to apply to ourselves. It's a periodic test. It's a periodic activity that you and I have to apply to our own selves. It's so easy to examine the lives of others and make comments, judgments. Oh, do you know what this brother did? Do you know what that sister did? Could have done it better. But the Bible tells us, before you take the speck in your brother's eye, what are you supposed to do? Just take the log in your eye. Or poke yourself with the log in your eye. Doesn't matter. Okay, but you have the log. He has the speck. Okay, so we are expected to examine ourselves first. So over the next 20 minutes, let's examine ourselves in some areas of our daily living. Obviously, there are many areas that we will not be able to talk upon. There are so many things that we could examine ourselves in. But I shall leave that to you to do individually in consultation with our Heavenly Father. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And we will read from verses 5 to 10. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 13, 5 to 10. 
and I shall read it from the Amplified Bible. You could use other versions, but I will read it from the Amplified Bible. Test and evaluate yourselves to see whether you are in the faith and living your lives as committed believers. Examine yourselves, not me. Or, or do you not recognize this about yourselves by an ongoing experience that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test and are rejected as counterfeit? But I hope you will acknowledge that we do not fail the test, nor are we to be rejected. But I pray to God that you may do nothing wrong, not, that, not so that we and our teaching may appear to be approved, but that you continue doing what is right, even though we, by comparison, may seem to have failed. For we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth and the gospel, the good news of salvation. We are glad when we are weak, since God's power comes freely through us, but you, by comparison, are strong. We also pray for this, that you may be made complete, fully restored, growing and maturing in godly character and spirit, pleasing your heavenly Father by the life you live. For this reason, I am writing these things while absent from you, so that when I come, I will not need to deal severely with you in my use of the authority which the Lord has given me to be used for building you up and not for tearing you down. That is what Paul has written to the Corinthians. So what are the things that we are going to be looking at? Number one. Am I firm in my faith? Am I solid in my faith? Verse 5 reads, examine yourself and see if you are in the faith. Actually, if you read this verse 5 from the Message Bible, it says this. Test yourselves and make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. That's verse 5 in the Message Bible. The responsibility to ensure that we are firm and solid in our faith rests solely with each and every one of us. We have got to determine where we stand. We need to examine ourselves. And we need to determine exactly where we are. Do we trust God at all times? Look at yourselves. Look at myself. Let me look at myself. You look at yourselves. Do you trust God at all times? At all times, not just during the good times. That is the test. When God has told you that he is going to do something for you, and it doesn't look like it's happening, in fact, everything seems to be working against that, what is your stance? Are you firm in your faith? Do you take the word of God? Abraham was promised a child by God. It didn't happen within nine months. It didn't happen within 18 months. It took 25 years. Abraham messed it up in the middle. He still got that child which God promised. That never changed because once God promised that child to Abraham, that was going to happen, whether Abraham liked it or not. But Abraham tried to assist God. Abraham tried to solve the problem for God in a slightly different way. And ever since that attempted solution by Abraham, there is a mess. So the question is, do you trust God all the time? 
If you find that God has told you something and it hasn't happened yet, what do you do? That is the test of your faith. It might be happening for your neighbor. Your neighbor may be asking for something and receiving the answer immediately. That is not a reflection of your relationship with God. Neither is it a statement that he or she has more faith than you. It simply is God deals with you sovereignly and God deals with your neighbor sovereignly. That's God's right. God doesn't have to clone everything the same way. Just because it happens in apartment 1A doesn't mean it has to happen in apartment 1B and in apartment 1C. Are you firm in your faith? So the natural sub-question that comes to this is actually a sorry question, but it is a question that you need to ask yourselves. And the question is this, am I truly born again? Or am I a counterfeit Christian? Am I a counterfeit Christian, putting on different masks for different occasions? You see, the Bible tells us that if you are truly born, how do we know that? The evidence is your fruit. No evidence? Question the fact. This is also science. Anybody who's in science will know this. No fact is taken as fact unless you see the evidence. The Bible tells us that if you are a child of God, you will be known by your fruit. And so I'm asking you this sorry question, this sad question, but it is a reality. Because there are so many people right around the world who profess to be born again without having an idea of what it is to be born again. It's a fancy fashion in church to be born again without understanding it. Therefore, we need to ask ourselves that question today before we go the remaining 359 days of this year. Am I truly born again? Is Christ really there in my life? Or am I living a double-faced life? Am I a sham? Am I putting on a mask when I come to church? Am I putting on a mask when I go to the supermarket? Am I putting on a different mask when I go to the office? <coughs> if we can answer that question, you will know how near you are to God. Because the promise for this year is simply that God will answer prayers. He is near you, provided you live right. You've got to be close to him in order to get the answers to every prayer that we're going to put up this year. We were told last week that we need to put a list. And at the end of the year, we tick off, tick the boxes. God has answered this, 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 this. And I think we should do that. We should all do that. Don't be scared. Because that will tell you actually where you are. Tick the boxes. Write, write them down and then tick them as they happen. But they will happen if you are close to God. So that's the sub-question that you need to ask. Am I firm in my faith? The sub-question is, am I truly born again? Number two, <coughs> am I committed to reading and understanding the Word of God? Am I committed to reading and understanding the Word of God? Verse 8 says this, For we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. We can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. The Bible is the truth. That's the word of God. We can do nothing against it. 
So if the Bible tells us this is the way we need to walk, that is the way we need to walk. But how do we know that's the way we need to walk unless we read, unless we understand, unless we meditate on the Word of God? Very important that we are committed to reading with understanding the Word of God. Paul is simply reminding us in these sets of verses that without the Word of God, we can actually do nothing. Whatever we do must be in line, aligned to the Word of God. Thank you, brother. 2016 is dead and buried. 2017 is new. It's fresh. It's a blank page to write upon. And I pray that every one of us will determine to spend time reading and understanding the Word of God this year. And I'm specifically addressing the young people right now. Because I know you will be told by your parents to read the Word of God, to spend time with the Word of God. Don't despise them. The Bible tells us, honor your father and mother. And so when they tell you, read the Word of God, it means read the Word of God. And when you read the Word of God, read it with understanding. Sometimes I stand at the back of the church and when I watch, Pastor Abraham would be standing here reading the opening exhortation. And you have heard Pastor Abraham ask you to maintain discipline. I would actually tell him to come there and start reading the Word of God. That is noisiest. That area at the back is noisy. And it's not the little babies. You see, we need to respect the word of God. When it is being read, remember I gave a message a couple of months back where when the word of God was being read, people stood up. We don't even open our Bibles. We are busy opening our phones and our tablets, giving the appearance to the next man that we are opening a Bible, but fact or fiction, very often what I see is I see a big Gmail on that page. I can see from there. The advantage of that place where Brother Vivekan stands is that we have a bird's eye view. And sometimes... When the word of God is being read here, I see on a page a Gmail. I don't think that word of God came to you through a Gmail. If it did come to you, I apologize. So let's be serious. 2017, let's be serious. This is the year of prayer. We are going to God with more requests than we have ever done in the past. And we are going to get more answers than we have ever had in the past. But if all of us want to have that, all of us have got to play the game. All of us have got to be serious about reading the Word of God. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, writes this way. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and slander, like newborn babies... Long for the pure milk of the word, that it may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted of the kindness of the Lord. Like a baby after milk, let the word of God nourish you. A baby asks for milk all the time. The only thing the baby asks for is milk, milk and more milk. Let us be like babies, asking for the word of God. Let me be nourished by the word of the, 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 word of the Lord. See, that's what Peter's telling us. Paul himself, writing to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, says this. And these are common verses. All scripture 
is given by the inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this year, let us determine to personally open and turn the pages of our Bibles. Read and understand and meditate honestly and diligently. Number three, am I prayerfully confident of the future? Am I prayerfully confident of the future? The second part of verse nine reads this. We also pray for this, that you may be made complete. The Amplified says, fully restored, growing and maturing in godly character and spirit, pleasing your heavenly father by the life you live. Paul prayed for the people of Corinth. He was writing to them. He said, we pray for you all the time. That's what he wrote to different groups of people. And he prayed that they would be made complete, fully restored, growing and maturing in God's character and spirit. And that's what we all need to be doing for every every other person. When we pray, let's not be selfish about God, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. Let's also pray for our neighbors. Let's pray for others. Let's include everyone into that prayer point. That every person, the man next to you may be fully restored. The man next to you, the woman next to you may be made complete in God. Because we also know from the word of God that iron sharpeneth iron. So if the man next to you is blunt, you are going to become blunt after some time. If the people next to you are cold in their love for God, you will become cold after some time. But if the people next to you are on fire for the Lord, you will be on fire for the Lord. It's association. Birds of the same feather flock together. English is a good language. It has a lot of these things written by I don't know who. So, pray for the guy next to you. Pray that he will mature and she will mature so that you will also mature. Okay, it's a good thing. Now, Paul knew, just as we know today, that not everyone is going to be praying positively for you and me. There's always those people who will try to pull you down. There are always those people who are negative. There are always those people who would like to be bearish on you. While some people are bullish, others are bearish. It doesn't matter. It's not about them at all. Okay, it's got nothing to do with them. We've just got to remember that we need to pray for one another. We've just got to remember that we need to be in the presence of God, talk to God all the time. We mature and develop God's character and God's spirit in us. You see, in the beginning of verse 9, if you go to the beginning of verse 9, it says, what does it say? Can somebody read that? For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. It doesn't matter if people say that we are weak. When somebody says that leadership is weak, it doesn't matter. It's not about the leadership. It's not about us. It's not about the person next to you. It is about God, your relationship with God. So keep praying. Because that's what is going to bring answers. Four. Number four. Is my lifestyle in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ? This is what verse 7 is all about. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable 
though we may seem disqualified. Now I pray to God that you do no evil. Okay, ask yourself this question. Is my lifestyle in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ? Now let me tell you personally, as a father of three children, I can identify with Paul's concerns at this particular point. I want my children straight with the Lord as they move into young adulthood. Not for my sake or to make me look good. It's not about that at all. I want them resisting evil. I want them pursuing righteousness. I want them to know that they are fully accepted and approved of God for their own sake so that they can live in God's kingdom. So that they can live comfortably, confidently in obedience to God and his word. If that is what I want for my children, shouldn't I also endeavor more than anyone else to do the same? Shouldn't I set the example of what I want for my children? So what about the rest of you? What about the rest of us? What standards are we setting? Yes, there are times I will fail. But don't turn that don't use that as an excuse to turn down God. Paul didn't mind being criticized. He never minded it. People said all kinds of things about him, but he said, that's okay, it's not about me. It's all about God. If you can see God in it, that's great. The important thing is constantly ask this question, is my lifestyle in obedience to that of the Lord Jesus Christ? Our reputation according to worldly standards simply doesn't matter. The world may look at us and say, what's that that you're doing? It doesn't matter. Our future matters. It's not about our reputation today. It's about our future. Where are you and I going to spend eternity? And that, brothers and sisters, my dear teenagers, the young people of the NG4C, this is what the biblical selfie is all about. Look at yourself, look inside. It is not about this technological counterfeit. But finally, there is one small matter that needs to be addressed before I close. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. And I will have to read it from the Message Bible. It says, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. The key concluding thought is this. The phrase that I need you to remember is this. Do something about it. So, how many of you are ready for the plan of what we should be doing to get right about it? Are you ready for a plan? Yeah, problem is I'm not going to give it to you. Okay, the plan is in the word of God. Okay, and I am not going to prescribe that plan. You will need to get into the word of God and get that plan. You see, like the Bereans did, go to the word of God. Search the word of God daily and do something about it. Because the starting is examine yourself. Find out where you're falling short. Every one of us falls short somewhere. Every one of us has got some fault or the other. It's not common. It's not the same for all of us. Having examined myself and 
allowed the Holy Spirit to minister to me and tell me, this is where you need to change. This is where you need to correct yourself. I go back to the Word of God and say, God, show me the way forward. I don't need to come to any one of you. None of you needs to come to me. I need to go to God. And God says, it's in the Word. So I need to search the Word and say, this is where I'm falling short. This is what is happening to me. How do I overcome? And God has the answer. So let's not simply think that, okay, we have heard the theory of it, but what do we do about it? Yes, there is something we need to do about it. Do something about it. Don't stop. But it's in the Word of God. So in conclusion, let me just paraphrase the keys to the biblical selfie. Number one, learn to be firm in your faith. Learn to be firm in your faith. Number two, commit to diligently meditate on the Word of God. Number three, make prayer the cornerstone of your daily walk. Number four, let your lifestyle be in line with God's directions and God's commands. Shall we pray? Just take a moment to talk to God. Continue to look at yourself. Examine yourself. Find out where you need correction. Talk to God. As you are doing that, we have been asked a question, are you born again? If your answer to that question is no, there's an opportunity for you to make it right this morning. That is by truthfully Saying to God, I am not born again. I am ready to be born again. If you are making that decision this morning, I want you to raise your right hand unto the Lord. Just put up your right hand. I will pray with you. You make the commitment. And that is all for you to be born again. You are here this morning. You are not born again. Please raise up your right hand so that we can help you to take that decision. And the rest will be wonderful for you. Anybody taking that decision? If none, praise the Lord. Which means all of us we are born again. I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. But, paraventure hmm, you are not. I prayed with you to change your mind quickly before it will be too late. We're going to the session of the Word of God, which says we need to partake of the table of the Lord. But before we go to that, let's read the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 32. Therefore I have received of the Lord, and that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup. When he had stopped saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the lost dead till he comes. There are two purposes 
or we call it two mysteries about the Holy Communion. I want to take us through those two quickly so that we'll have the right understanding. The first reason why we take Holy Communion is what Pastor has shared with us today. And that is in verse 24. He said, we need, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So each time we come like this to partake of the Lord's table, all we are coming to do is to remember the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and more importantly, the second coming of the Lord. You can't do anything about the death, about the resurrection, about the ascension. Jesus has done it already. But there's one thing you can do. How prepared are you for the second coming? So a time like this, like we have had, is for you to examine yourself. Are you ready for the Lord? If you are, are you preparing your neighbor for the Lord? Are you witnessing? So we do this to remember that and to ensure, am I ready? If Christ comes today, will you be part of those that will go with him? So we're not talking about whether you are born again now. Are you ready for the Lord if he comes today? And number two reason, why do we do this Holy Communion? Why did God instruct us to carry it out? To claim different benefits attached to salvation. God has instituted this principle for us so that we'll be able to claim all the different benefits attached to our salvation. You are saved not to live a miserable life. No. You are saved to be like Jesus. That is why he gave me the opportunity to partake of his blood, his flesh which is represented by the bread and the wine. It is an opportunity for you to obtain everything that is available in Christ. In John 6, 53, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. They said, oh, how possible? How can we drink your blood? How can we take your flesh? Because they are not in the spirit. So it takes you to operate in the faith for you to know that as I take this shot today, because Jesus was never sick, I am not permitted to be sick. Because Jesus never failed, I am not permitted to fail. That is the reason. In John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I am come so that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So what are the free benefits? The grace to live like Jesus. To experience everything Jesus experienced. The grace to pray like Jesus. The grace to live a holy life like Jesus is obtainable on this table. The grace to live a victorious and triumphant life like Jesus. Now, when you do blood transfusion in the clinic, in the hospital, you are practically taking part, probably DNA or whatever you call it, of what that person carries. So, when you take a shot of the blood of Jesus, you are taking part in the divine nature of Jesus. So, I need to come this afternoon with that expectation, with that understanding. That anything that is not planted of God in my life, 
as I take this bread and this wine today, Lord, let them get out of my life. Now, please note this. And this has been discussed. We need to get it right. Many of us have complained that we are not giving enough time for Holy Communion. We are being rushed. Because of our time, we need to do that. But more importantly, there are things you need to do before and after you come here. Before you come, examine yourself. Am I ready to meet Christ if he comes today? After you have taken the bread and the wine, what do you do? You are to go back to your seat and begin to claim this fringe benefit. Begin to pray. So you have time. Don't take excuse or they are rushing us. No. You finish from here. Go back to your seat. Not looking at somebody else. But you do what? Be praying. Not be distracted. So please let's not take excuse. Oh, they don't give us time. No. You have time to table your request before God. And the answer will come speedily. In the name of Jesus. The table today is only for those that are born again. And are water baptized by immersion. And are living a glorious life in Christ. Let us pray. Father, thank you for everything you have done for us. We are so grateful. I declare the table today, the table of manifestation of the purpose of this communion, which is to be ready for you and to enjoy all the fringe benefits that are attached to salvation. Therefore, I decree everyone that partake of this table today, whatever they so desire for you to do for in their life, shall be done in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Please, let's follow the usher's instruction as the directors to come to the front. Come quickly, take the wine and the bread, and please go back to your seat to go and pray. The Lord will answer our prayers in Jesus' name. Draw me nearer. Draw me nearer. But I long to rise in 
receive from his nails, God has. Eat of the bread of salvation. Drink of the blood of the Lamb. On the night you were betrayed, you took the bread. After giving thanks, you broke it instead. This is my body, broken for you. And as you eat it, remember me. This is my body broken for you, and as you eat it, remember me. Could we stand on our feet? It's time that we examine ourselves. But that examination of ourselves should continue morning, noon, and night. Most of the time we examine ourselves now, but we forget what to do at the end of the day. The scripture says also the same in 2 Corinthians 13. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, number one. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Amen. Let's bow our heads and ask God, God, as your word came out this afternoon, Help me to examine myself. Help me to examine myself and see if I am in the faith. Do I believe in you in season and out of season? Help me to believe in you when I am down in the valley and when the waters are overpowering me. Give me the strength to hold on to you, Father. Help me when everything around me is going in chaos, help me to believe in you and to trust in you. Father, I pray for each and every one this afternoon, Lord God. Give us the grace to be joyful in bad times and in good times, Lord God. Give us the grace to grow in maturity in you, Lord God. Not to be infant Christians all the days of our life, but to grow in you. Father, as we grow in you, give us the grace to encourage one another, Lord God. And that we could pray for each other, Father, give us the grace. And above all, help us to live in harmony, Lord God. Help me to love my neighbor as I love myself because I know that you love me. Father, give grace to this church that we will live in peace, Lord God. And then your word says that you will give your peace unto us. Father, I surrender each and every one this afternoon that we'll never go back the same. We will go back reflecting upon your word. And we will examine ourselves continuously, Lord God, so that we know if you come tonight that we will be with you in paradise. Father, I thank you for each and every one this afternoon. May there be peace at the houses, Lord God. May they have peace at work, Lord God. And may they have peace within themselves, Lord God. Trusting you, believing in you, and obeying every word of yours, Lord God. Father, we say thank you for this beautiful time, for giving us the word, Lord God. And I pray that our pastor, that you will bless them, Lord God. 
you will use him more and more and you will reveal your word more to him lord god and as he brings forth your word i pray for signs and wonders to follow in jesus name lord god father i pray this prayer for each and every one and as we meditate upon your word you will reveal yourself to us lord god give us the grace to hunger and thirst after your righteousness lord in jesus name we are prayed and god's children say amen let us share the grace together may the grace of our lord and savior jesus christ the love of god the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with us now and forevermore amen surely goodness and mercy shall follow 